OWC Radio number two, recorded December 31st, 2009. It's a Mac user's look back at the last decade. Hey folks, Tim Robertson, host of OWC Radio. Thank you very, very much for downloading this episode and hopefully sending us some feedback. We're always looking to hear your opinions and uh, your contributions to the show. We're going to read feedback and your suggestions and your comments and whatever else you want to send in. You're going to be a very important part of the show. So I'm going to give you all the contact information here at in a little bit as well at the end of the show. Not just email, but your voice. That's right. We're going to ask you for your voice on the show. To start things off today, I want to talk about the Macworld Expo. It runs in San Francisco from February 11th through the 13th at the Moscone Center, as it has for the past 1,000 years. Not quite that long, but it just seems like it sometimes. OWC will be there. We're going to have booth 1665. So I really hope you guys come out, visit us at the Macworld Expo, booth 1665. We're going to have a lot of people at the booth, a lot of products. And OWC Radio is going to be podcasting every day from the Macworld Expo. For me, it's kind of exciting. I've covered the Macworld Expo as part of my last gig for years. But I've never been on the main stage. This year, on February 13th, 5 to 6 p.m., OWC Radio is closing the Macworld Expo. That's right. The last thing on the last day on the main stage will be yours truly. Intimidated? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I hope everybody hasn't gone home by that point. It's a Saturday. It's 5 to 6 p.m. I know a lot of you come for one day only and leave. And if you do that, I hope you come on Saturday. And you stay for the 5 o'clock show on the main stage, OWC Radio. We've got some cool things going to happen there, but I don't want to get into those quite yet. We'll save that. February 11th through the 13th, booth 1665, Otherworld Computing will be there. And if you happen to see me on the showroom floor, wandering aimlessly with this lost look in my eye, just grab a hold of me and and take me where I'm supposed to be, please. Thanks. I appreciate it. Hey, newer technology announced on Tuesday, December 29th, a window mount for the Apple iPhone 3G and 3GS. It's an exact fit cradle and a super vacuum adhesive. It keeps the iPhone securely in place, even in the roughest environments. $19.99. Check it out at MacSales.com. Time to look around the Mac web a little bit and find out what's going on in the world. We're going to start at the unofficial Apple weblog, TUAW.com. They're reporting that Apple drops... MacBook to $899 for students. 
So if you're a student or you're a parent of a student, a brand new MacBook, $899. The specs? You want specs? We have specs. 2.26 gigahertz, 250 gigabyte hard drive, two gigs of RAM, and an NVIDIA GeoForce 9400M graphics, and an eight times super drive. Now, personally, if I was to buy this machine, I want something bigger than a 250 gig hard drive, and I want more RAM than two gigs. But here's the thing, buying at the 899 price, you can bump up that hard drive and bump up the RAM in it, and you're still gonna be charging, or spending less, I should say, than you would for the next level of MacBook. So get this if you're a student or a parent of a student, and think about upgrading it within a few months, and you're gonna have a terrific machine. Also from the unofficial Apple weblog, this is kind of surprising, but maybe it shouldn't be. iPod Touch passes iPhone and app downloading during the holiday season. In fact, the iPod Touch saw a 1,000% jump on Christmas Day. A 1,000% jump. What this tells me, and let me know if you agree or not, a lot of people got the iPod Touch for Christmas. And what did they do when they got the iPod Touch? They jumped on the App Store and they started downloading. My guess, they started downloading games. And honestly, there's a lot of great games for the iPod Touch and iPhone out there. There's a lot of productivity stuff as well. And of course, GPS, apps. But games... It's just dominating in the App Store. Games are everywhere. Who would have thought Apple and an Apple handheld would start dominating video games in the way they have? Simply amazing. From Loop Insight, that's L-O-O-P-I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Loop Insight. Great website. Ford announced on Tuesday of this week that select vehicles in the 2010 lineup will feature HD radio, a technology that enables users to tag songs they listen to and purchase later in iTunes. Interesting. So you see iTunes starting to get their claws inside cars now as well. You think that's a trend that's going to continue? I do. Where do people listen to music most of the time? In the car. Great tagging feature. I'm not sure how it'll work, but you tag a song and you could buy it on iTunes later when you get home. And last, Engadget has a top 10 gadgets of the decade. And Apple, unsurprisingly to me and probably to most of you, nabbed four of those top 10 spots. The products that they nabbed were Mac OS X, kind of big this decade, I would say, or last decade if you're listening to this tomorrow, iPod, yeah, I, I think that might have been a moderate hit for Apple. The Titanium PowerBook, remember when that first came out, the first time you saw the Titanium PowerBook? You wanted one. I did. I didn't get one but I wanted one. 
And of course, this little product that came out in 2007 called the iPhone. I'd say that uh, the iPhone has a little bit of a future to it, wouldn't you? Let's jump into some feedback before we get into our main topic today, which, again, is going to be a look at the last decade from a Mac user's perspective. Feedback today is from Bob Dronsky. Bob writes, you said that eSATA is the way of the future with Macs, along with USB 3.0. Apple has always had issues with eSATA from a hardware perspective and really doesn't want to make it a standard. Many feel that it's a stopgap interface. My most recent info comes from a Snow Leopard server seminar Apple held in Chicago at the beginning of this month, directly from one of the speakers. I'm sorry that I can't remember who it was, but it was specifically asked and answered in a Q&A there. Thanks, Bob. I also wrote back to Bob and I asked him what technology then Apple would go with as far as, you know, if it's not eSATA, is it USB 3.0? Now, I think everybody knows definitely USB 3.0 is going to be a standard soon. And Bob talked about LightPeak. Since Light, and this is Bob writing back again, since LightPeak is based on Apple's idea, and Apple is never afraid of pushing their, out their own technology in spite of the crowd, and he cites ADB, Apple Talk, FireWire 800, first use of uh, three and a half inch floppies, even though it was created by Sony. He says, I'd say that it was the way Apple will go. It plays well on the kiss factor that Apple always goes for. By the way, kisses keep it keep it simple, stupid, or keep it super simple. Depends on who. I like the keep it simple, stupid, but I think it's keep it simple, stupid. No, keep it simply simple. I don't know. Will they implement through uh, USB three? He asks. Sure, it's not a huge jump for them, but Bob writes, I'm sure that Light Peak is the future. I agree with you, Bob. And that, folks, is our feedback from the very first show. I got a lot of nice job and uh, who are you and and, uh, why are you here emails and stuff on Twitter and that sort of thing. But I really, really would like to hear from you. We have four, count them, four different ways for you to contribute to the show. Send in your ideas and your thoughts and that sort of thing. Number one, email, of course. Bob used the email message and uh, real easy for me to copy and paste. By the way, I use Evernote for show notes, in case you're wondering. All my notes that uh, I read during the show, including feedback and all that, goes right into Evernote. And we'll talk about Evernote as time goes on. So email is the, the easiest way to get a hold of me. Email address is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast, at maxsales.com. Second way, follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash O-W-C radio. Very simple. You could send me at replies on Twitter or direct messages 
Of course, you're limited to 140 characters on Twitter, but still, it's a viable option. The last two ways is how to get your voice on the show. That's right. I will play audio from you on the show. Don't make it a 20-minute audio clip, obviously. But I really want to open up the show to you, the listener, playing your audio clip so everybody can hear you. Maybe there'll be a few of you who will be regular contributors. That would be fantastic. The first way is to simply pick up a telephone, any telephone will do, and dial our Skype number. It is 1-801-938-5559. You can do that, leave a message, and uh, we've got your audio. But honestly, the easiest way, if you're an iPhone user, If you look at your iPhone and you look at your apps, and this one comes from Apple, so I know that if you have an iPhone, you have this app. I'm not sure about an iPod Touch. It might come on the iPod Touch, but I don't own an iPod Touch, so I can't check. There's an application called Voice Memos. If you launch that application, you see this big microphone. What this app does is it allows you to record audio on your iPhone. Oh, yeah. Audio. That would be your voice. On the bottom left-hand side of the screen is this little red record button. You push that button, and it tells you how long you've been recording for right at the top of the screen. There's a little VU meter so you can see it moving up and down. Very reminiscent of a 70s and 80s hi-fi unit, honestly. And then when you're done, you hit the stop or the pause button. It really doesn't make a difference. And that stops your recording. Now over to the right at the bottom of the screen, if you click that button, that button. see, look, here it is. And it tells you how long you've been recording for right at the That's top. what I just did right there as I was recording. Now there's a little button with all your voice recordings. There's a little button that says share. If you click the share button, you can actually email that recording you just did. So email it to podcast at maxsales.com and that voice recording will come directly to me. And we'll put them on the show. We'll put you on the show. Is that fun or what? Technology, you have to love technology. And I really love this iPhone. So many things that you can do with it. You know, honestly, with the iPhone, you can contact us at any one of those four methods. You can send an email. You can contact us on Twitter. You can call the 1-801-938-5559 number. And, of course, the voice memo is built into the iPhone. Imagine that. All right, let's jump right into the uh, top tech stories from a Mac user's perspective over the last decade. Now, I didn't put these in any certain order, so I'm not rating them as least important to most important or anything like that. It's just a list that I came up with, um, and as I thought of the items, that's how I wrote them down. So the first one is Mac OS X demoed at the San Francisco Macworld Expo in 2000. Now, if you were a Mac user, 
1999 and 2000. There was a huge shift from what we've known before, which at the time was the classic Mac OS, Mac OS 7, 8, 9, to this very scary Unix-based Mac OS 10. In 1999, going into 2000, I was an IT manager. And the company that I was an IT manager for did a lot of design and production work for a large cereal manufacturer here in Battle Creek, Michigan. I won't say the name of the company. I'll just say that they're great. All the machines that I had to work on, not all, but most, were Macintosh. These were production machines, meaning everybody was using Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, Quark, those type of things. But they were all Macs for the most part. The creatives had the Macs. The account managers all had PCs. So shifting from the classic Mac, which I knew obviously very well, to a brand new OS, Mac OS X, with all these Unix underpinnings, was kind of scary. It really was. I knew I was going to have to re-educate myself on a brand new OS and at the same time continue to support the classic Mac OS. Well, it's been 10 years later, and I think Mac OS X has been a pretty good success for Apple. And, of course, my fears were unfounded. If anything, at least by 2002, the Mac OS X was much more stable than the classic Mac OS. Next on my list, the dot-com crash. Oh, you remember that? That was horrible. And it kind of coincided with Y2K because in 1999, the stock market was going nuts for tech companies. Starting around March 10th, 2000, the dot-com crash happened and a lot of companies went away. A lot of people thought that was the end of commerce on the internet, that it was a failed experiment. I think they were wrong, don't you? Next on my list, Apple releases iTunes at the Macworld Expo in San Francisco in 2001. At the time, this was the January show, at the very beginning of 2001, it really just looked like a way to collect and organize your MP3s. That was important, sure. But that's all iTunes was originally. Just a way for you to catalog and make playlists and burn CDs and rip your CDs into your computer. All very important stuff. But that's all iTunes was. It's a little different nowadays, don't you think? Version 4 of iTunes introduced the music store, the iTunes music store. That came out in April of 2003. I don't need to remind you how well that's gone over. iTunes is now the number one music seller in the world. In October 2001, Apple launched the iPod. Can you believe that that was 
back in October of 2001, the very first generation of iPods? <clears throat> Seems a lot longer to me. In July 2002, the second generation came out, and those worked with Windows. Good decision? Bad decision? I remember as a tech writer at the time, there was a lot of debate whether making the iPod compatible with Windows was a good idea or not. I think we could put that debate to rest, don't you? It's called the halo effect. And folks, it worked. Another big one over the last decade, Microsoft. Remember all the antitrust court battles they were in? Oi, you couldn't open up any magazine for a while there without seeing Microsoft getting slapped down by this judge or refuting these claims. And hey, you know what? I'm glad that's over. But it was huge headlines for many, many, many months. Google had their initial stock offering, their IPO in 2004. That might be a company going places. I could be wrong, but they might be doing some business in the future. 2005, half a decade ago now, the Mac Mini was introduced. Do you know there's still people, I personally know people who say the Mac Mini is a dog for Apple, Apple doesn't sell many of them, and they're not going to last long. They're still saying this. It, the Mac Mini's been out for five years. It, it's going to stick around, folks. <laughs> It's a good selling machine for Apple. Don't get me wrong. I don't, well, I, let me back up. I do own a Mac Mini. I own a G4 Mac Mini. I don't use it for anything anymore. But Apple wouldn't sell any machines for five years if they weren't selling well. And I think it's a fantastic little machine. I really do. And there's a lot you can do with it. One of the main things that I would like to eventually do is build a media center around a Mac Mini. Maybe that'll be a project for our upcoming OWC TV series. That might be fun. Next story happened in 2006. Apple released the first Intel Macs. Now, if you thought there was a lot of debate about the iPod becoming Windows compatible. If you were in the, into Macs and, and reading websites and stuff like that, in 2006 when Apple switched over to Intel, well, at least when they started to switch over, you want to talk about a lot of debates. Some people hated the idea. They just hated it. From my perspective, I thought it was a great idea the IBM G5 series didn't seem to have much future. It was just lagging behind. And I think Apple made an absolutely brilliant choice on going Intel. Four more stories before we wrap up the show today. Next one, social media explodes in popularity in the last half of that last decade. MySpace, Facebook, Twitter... Social media is so mammoth nowadays. It, I, I, I hate the term social media. I really do. Because it doesn't make any sense. 
It's media, but yet it's social. It's social media. Now, there's going to be a lot of social media websites that come and go. Remember when everybody had a MySpace page? How many people do you know that still use MySpace? I have a MySpace page, and I haven't updated the status on that for over a year. And the last time I did, it just simply said, find me on Facebook. I don't use MySpace anymore. Seriously, that's what it says. Do you use Facebook? You must use Facebook. Everybody uses Facebook. I love Facebook. I really do. Well, I, I like the connectivity that I have with a lot of different people on Facebook. I have a lot of problems with the interface of Facebook, but that's for another show. Eventually, we'll do a Facebook episode. I've got some really, I think, fun stories that you might find interesting about Facebook. And we'll get into that eventually. And last, Twitter, of course. Twitter.com slash OWC radio. That's all I'll say. Next up on my top list, podcasting begins in 2004. Now, it really started in um, kind of mid to late 2004. I personally started podcasting at the very end of 2004. In fact, I believe December 30th, 2004 was when I released my very first podcast. But podcasting really didn't hit the big time until June of 2005 when Apple included a podcast directory in iTunes 4.9. Now, like a lot of other podcasters who got their podcasts in iTunes right at the beginning, it was huge. We saw an, a ginormous explosion of new listeners who found us via iTunes. And of course, nowadays, iTunes is... That's it. If you're not in iTunes, you don't have a podcast. There's a lot of podcast directories out there, but everyone uses iTunes for good or bad. Second to the last story, Gates leaves Microsoft in 2008. Kind of a big story. Richest man in the world leaving the technology company he founded. Now, if Steve Jobs would have left Apple in 2008, same year that Bill Gates leaves Apple or leaves Microsoft, which one do you think would have a, a bigger impact? Do you think Bill Gates has a bigger impact at Microsoft, or do you think Steve Jobs has a bigger impact at Apple? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think right now that uh, look, we're Mac users here, so we're going to probably go with Steve Jobs. But I think, honestly, that is the correct answer. I think Steve Jobs is a bigger part of Apple than Bill Gates has been at Microsoft in a long time, even before he left in 2008. Last story. Macworld Expo, San Francisco, 2007. Steve Jobs introduces the iPhone. Huge. 
and without question, the iPhone has got to be, even over and above the iPod, the number one tech gadget of the last decade. Has to be, doesn't it? The, the iPhone is changing everything. But so did the iPod. The iPod changed the entire music industry. Without the iPod, would Apple be here still? Maybe, maybe not. Now, yes, the iMac was a pretty big hit, but remember the first iMac came out at the end of the 90s. It was the iPod that ballooned Apple to the top again. And they still sell billions of those things every day. Okay, not every day, but you get my point. Apple sells a lot of iPods. But there's something about the iPhone that's simply a game changer. It's amazing. So those are my picks for the top Mac-related or a Mac user's look back over the last decade. I'd really like to hear what you think. Do you agree with those picks? Disagree? Did I leave something off the list that you think, oh, I can't believe you didn't talk about this? I know some people might say, well, what about you know Steve Jobs' uh, illness? Um, yeah, maybe that should be on there, but he's back at Apple, and uh, that's a you know, it, it's the guy's health. I I I don't really like talking about that a personal level on something like uh, Steve Jobs' health. I'm not going to include that in my list. But again, I'd really like to hear your lists, or even if it's just one thing that hey, Tim, you really should have included this. Podcast at maxsales.com. Use your iPhone voice memo, email it to me. Follow me and uh, send me a tweet. It's twitter.com slash OWC radio. And the phone number again is 1-801-938-5559. And to wrap up the show, of course, I want to talk about other world computing. www.maxsales.com. You know what I just bought? I haven't got it yet. It's supposed to be delivered today, and it's probably at home waiting for me right now. And it's something that I needed personally. It's the Voyager S2. It's the easiest way to access data from any 2.5 or 3.5 inch SATA SATA hard drive, up to 2 terabytes. Now, what happens is when I'm here in the recording studio, I tend to deal with large files on a daily basis. There is an occasion that I need to take those files home with me and work from my home office. Sometimes it's really not an option to put it on my laptop. And I don't have a thumb drive that will hold that much data. They don't make them that large yet. So with a bare hard drive, I can put it here, my hard drive in the Voyager S2. I can write my files to that hard drive, take the hard drive out, take it home, slide it into my Voyager S2 at home, and access the same data. 
I think this works really well. You know what I'm really going to use it a lot for? Backups. Okay, I use Time Machine, and it works fine. But the problem with the Time Machine backup is that backup is there sitting right next to your computer, isn't it? Or if you're using a time capsule, maybe it's not right next to the computer. Maybe you have a laptop and you back up over the network. But nonetheless, the backup is in your home. That's not going to do you a lot of good if, worst case scenario, your house catches on fire and you lose everything. How much are your pictures worth? Have you printed every single one of your digital photos out and keep them somewhere else? You haven't. So where are you keeping your backups? Is it just backed up to a hard drive that's sitting right next to your computer? What if there is a fire? What if there's a flood? What if a tree branch comes crashing through the window and rain saturates all your computer gear? Yeah, it couldn't happen? Sure it could. Having been an IT manager, having been a, uh, a tech journalist for 15 years, I've heard a lot of horror stories. And honestly, I don't do enough to back up my own data. You have to have off-site backup. But, you know, it's kind of a pain to buy a new enclosure all the time, plug it into a Mac, back it up, unplug it, take it somewhere else. For me, I would rather buy just a bare hard drive, back up all my data from home using the Voyager, pop that drive out, take it to work with me, and leave it at work. I can do the same thing at work. I can copy stuff here and take it home. Now I've got a copy of my work at home and my home stuff at work. Works really well. That way it's redundant. My plan is every two weeks I'm going to completely back up all my data at home to an external drive a bare hard drive using the Voyager, and then I'm just going to bring it in to work with me and put it on a shelf, and there it will sit. I want to have two or three different bare hard drives in rotation. So, you know, a couple months down the road, I'll go to the, my oldest one, and I'll re reuse that drive. Otherwise, I'll have stacks of bare hard drives, and I don't need that. That's not good for the environment anyways. Right now, as I record the podcast, there's a holiday promo for the Voyager S2, $29. It's regular $39.99, so you're saving 10 bucks right there. But you got to act quick. This is a holiday promo. Go up to MacSales.com and take a look at the Voyager S2. Start doing off-site backup, people. How much are those photos worth? How much is your MP3 collection worth? Do you really want to lose all that information? It could happen. Don't think it can't. It can happen. Just backing up via time machine isn't enough. That's a good start, but you need an off-site solution. Now, you don't need the Voyager S2 at work as well if you don't need to access that information at work. But at least buy a Voyager S2 for your home and some bare hard drives and start backing it up, all your data to that external drive, 
pop the drive out and take it to work with you. If you don't have a work, take it to your in-law's house. Say, hey, can I store this here? It's a backup of all my computer stuff. You know, maybe once a month I'll come in and, and I'll pick it up and I'll drop another drive off. They won't mind. How much space does a hard drive take? But get in the habit of doing that because you want to protect your data. So I'll leave it at that. Again, we really would appreciate if you guys would send us some uh, feedback. Uh, I really want to get in the listeners involved in this show. If you know somebody that we should uh, have on the show as an interviewee, let me know, and uh, we'll see what we can do. In the meantime, again, my name is Tim Robertson, and I appreciate you listening to the show, and I'll see you in a couple days. Have a very happy new year. 